lot has changed in a seemingly very short time when it comes to the United States, from reversing the so-called Muslim ban, taking the COVID-19 pandemic a lot more seriously, and canceling a controversial oil pipeline project, to re-engaging with the World Health Organization and rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, President Joe Biden has definitely signaled the change of direction from his predecessor. Today, we're speaking to U.S. Ambassador to Namibia, Lisa Johnson, to find out more. Hello, Madam Ambassador. Good morning to you. To start us off, President Biden said that he wants to re-engage with the world. What does this mean for America's foreign policy? Right. Well, President Biden has said that he's setting a clear new direction in U.S. foreign policy. And I think the basic, what is new is, is the tone and the approach to foreign policy diplomacy in the world. The United States is, is really re-engaging with the world again, with the nations around the globe, but also with its international institutions. And you've already mentioned a number of the things just in the first 30 days that the United States has rejoined the world, uh, has rejoined the Paris Climate Accord, has re-engaged with the World Health Organization has ended the so-called Muslim travel ban, has restarted refugee admission programs. We're also re-engaging on sexual and reproductive health and providing funds to the, to the UN Population Fund again. So all of these things just in the first 30 days shows his intention to approach diplomacy, the world, and solving global problems with global cooperation. We've mentioned a lot of those those things, but in terms of foreign policy priorities and policies, what exactly has changed? I think uh, the first, the top two that I would say would be climate change for certain in rejoining the, the Paris Climate Accord and already looking at what, what, what our emissions targets are going to be. And the President Biden has come out and said that he's going to host a global summit for world leaders on April 22nd on climate, which is on Earth Day, which is very symbolic. So re-engaging right away. And he said it's going to be part of every conversation he has with world leaders individually and international institutions. So climate change is certainly a priority near the top of the list. And then COVID-19, global health is certainly the other one. Global health and global health security are being reprioritized. First, in reengaging the World Health Organization is really, it's a signal that global problems require global solutions. And we think WHO has, is very essential in playing a key role in coordinating assistance in that effort. And then putting the money, putting money where our mouth is. Just last week, February 19th, President Biden announced an immediate $2 billion U.S. dollar contribution to COVAX, which ultimately may be as high as $4 billion over the next two years. And this money is largely going for vaccine procurement for up to 100 countries around the world, lower and middle income countries. And some of the funds will also be used uh, to support vaccine delivery in those countries. I want to touch on both the Paris Climate Accord and the WHO. But first, we're speaking about re-engaging the world and putting an emphasis on foreign policy. But the president has at the same time pushed for heavy investment in America, including a a Buy American campaign. How, How do those seemingly competing policies work together? Um, I don't think they're necessarily competing. Of course, the COVID-19 pandemic has, has really hit the world economically as well as in health terms. So in each of our countries, recovery, we're, we're looking at both response and recovery, responding to the pandemic, getting global health back on the right footing, health of Americans back on the right footing. And we have to do the same with economic recovery. That will be true in Namibia and in other countries as well. I think what, what might be different here is that while we are taking steps to improve our own economy, the Biden administration is going to be looking at how we do that in concert with other countries because we really need the world to be on a more stable economic footing for everyone's prosperity and trade. We see security and prosperity as, as mutual and interconnected. 
Getting back to the Paris Climate Agreement, then rejoining was one of President Biden's promises when he was campaigning. And as promised, and as you mentioned, it was one of the first things that he did when taking office. Why the reversal from the Trump administration? And what does it mean for the world that he did? Well, I I think it's a sign that the President Biden, he believes very much in science and his policies are being driven by science, whether it's on climate change or on COVID-19. He's listening to the experts and recognizing that problems are not intrinsic just to a single nation, but they are global problems and that we can't solve them ourselves, that we need to be part of the solution together with all of our partners and allies. And that's his approach on on, on both of those issues. So I think that's really what, what has changed. It's science and it's working together. Speaking of of working together, like we said, President Biden committed the U.S. to re-engaging with the WHO. What does this mean, though, and and with COVID-19 being the biggest challenge facing not only the WHO, but as you've said, the entire world, what role does the U.S. plan on playing in fighting it? You've mentioned the $2 billion for COVAX, but uh, what, what else is the U.S. planning on doing? We're also helping countries individually. I mean, to talk about Namibia specifically, the Center for Disease Control has been assisting the Ministry of Health and Services from the beginning of the pandemic on the response, everything from surveillance to increasing laboratory capacity to training healthcare workers. But very specifically related to the vaccine procurement and rollout and planning, CDC so far is using about 1.2 million U.S. dollars to plan for receipt of vaccines here. That's looking at things like the clinical and scientific evaluations, the logistical planning, the training of the healthcare workers who will administer it, looking at the safety issues, the regulatory issues. And just in the past week, we've been informed that USAID is getting 1 million U.S. dollars, and this is new Biden administration money, for vaccine rollout in Namibia. And that's we're talking with Ministry of Health right now about what what we can put that to the best uses. It's probably going to be training the healthcare workers who will deliver it, community education and engagement programs. There's so much misinformation about vaccines out there, and we want to be sure Namibians have the truth and the science and the facts. And then third, some of the technology IT solutions that will be needed <clears throat> to register people. Uh, throughout the country to receive the vaccine. So we're still working with the ministry on, on exactly what that million dollars will be used for, but but that's just an example, and we're doing that in many, many countries. That's what we're doing in Namibia, but we're doing similar things in South Africa and in other parts of the world. Moving across to human rights, then President Biden has said he plans on putting human rights back at the center of America's foreign policy. How is this evident in his, in his policies and in his decisions? Yeah, he's putting human rights and democracy back at the center of his policy and committing it not just to our foreign policy, but also the issues of equality and racial equity are very important to him as well. You certainly see that in his choice of a vice president, the first woman and first black woman to be vice president of the United States. And Americans voted for that ticket, which shows that we are striving to do better on the racial equality side. But the president believes very deeply in the dignity of the individual. And I think that's going to come across in his decisions both at home and abroad and in the way he drives his foreign policy. I know it's far from Namibia, but one of the first test cases is Burma and the coup in in Burma just a couple of weeks ago. And we're already out there speaking about it, galvanizing others, looking for concerted action. That's the kind of approach we're going to take on, on those sorts of issues. We're going to stand up for human rights and for democracy and for those base values everywhere we see them threatened around the world together with our allies. 
I believe President Biden's already spoken to uh, Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta. He was the, the first African leader that President Biden reached out to. He emphasized the U.S.'s continued commitment to working closely with the country. And then in a, in a video message to the African Union recently, President Biden also outlined what he called a, a shared vision of a better future with growing trade and investment that advances peace and security. What can the continent expect during President Biden's term? Yeah, I actually absolutely loved that message to the African Union. And the sentence he said that the United States stands ready to be your partner in solidarity, support, and mutual respect. Again, that's the way he's going to approach his foreign policy and his, his interactions with individual leaders and states. I just think that's so important. He understands the importance of Africa and the future of this continent. It's the fastest growing continent. There's so much, so much innovation, entrepreneurship, exciting things being done by youth. And that's what I think we want to support to a large degree on trade and investment. Certainly, we'll be looking for opportunities to work together with, with individual countries in Africa and how we can work under the African Continental Free Trade Agreement to improve. We see trade as a win-win for both the continent and for the United States. Bringing it right down to Namibia then, what can we expect from the new administration? I, I know you've previously focused a lot on women's rights and especially younger girls. Uh, what will be your focus points as ambassador and, and, and what's your team engaged with? Well, I'd say health is still going to be number one. The PEPFAR program is continuing. That is a bipartisan program that's been supported by Republican and Democratic presidents for over 20 years. And it's been active here in Namibia for, I think, 17 years now. And it's so, so successful. Each year, we continue to get more money year on year. It's over 90 million U.S. dollars annually now to spend on a PEPFAR program. Right now, about 25% of that money, $20 million, is going to the DREAMS program, which, you know, I absolutely love. That's the program to, to help keep adolescent girls and young women HIV free and working on all aspects of their lives, trying to keep them in school, teach them economic empowerment skills so they can have jobs and independence and also health and, and prevention activities. It's I think it's an excellent program. It's going to continue. So PEPFAR will continue to be a major part of the U.S. Embassy's work here. It's really what the most people are dedicated to working on here. And Namibia is just getting so close to epidemic control. They're leading the way for the rest of the continent. And we have an AIDS-free generation in our reach. So that's absolutely number one, together with COVID-19. Honestly, we can't we can't do anything if we're not healthy. I mean, that was what's behind the HIV/AIDS uh, pandemic at the time, and now we have to tackle both pandemics simultaneously. You need a healthy workforce for a country to be productive, for people to be, for kids to be in school, really for for the economy to grow again. So health is going to be number one. Trade and investment is something that's important. Every American ambassador is charged with trying to increase trade and investments. It can be hard in Namibia. It's a small market. It's a long way from the United States, but we've had some successes. Namibian beef is going to the United States. They've exported 55,000 tons in the first year, which is outstanding given the COVID pandemic and all the restrictions, border closures, that type of thing. So I'm very excited about that. But we're continuing to look for more opportunities for trade and investment. And then another focus for us is going to be on that new embassy campus. That is an incredible project. It's going to be a three-year project. It won't be completed until 2023. But that really will be the platform for our future engagement with Namibia on everything from health to wildlife and conservation to trade and investment, exchange programs, entrepreneurship, all these types of things. Right now, we have over 500 Namibians a day on that site working. It's it's really a massive undertaking, and it's injecting about $13 million, Namibian dollars, into the Namibian economy every month in procurement of goods and services and those salaries. So it's a little injection that I hope is is helping Wintook during these tough economic times. I, I, I love you. You just said 
our country, uh, obviously you're a U.S. citizen, you, you're here representing the U.S. government, but it just that level of buy-in as, as the U.S. ambassador, uh, it, it's wonderful. Okay, just well, before... don't, don't tell George Schultz that, the late George Schultz who just passed away, because he used to take ambassadors into his office and spin the globe and tell them to point to their country, and they would point to the country they're going to, and he'd say, no, 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 your country is America. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we, we'll, we'll take the buy-in, and we love the fact that 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 you are committed to Namibia while you're here serving the United States. Uh, just before we end, on a slightly more personal note, if I may, you're obviously a career diplomat. You, you've served under various different presidents, so I understand that you have to have a certain amount of flexibility. But how hard is it to adjust to to what? I mean, in the current situation, at least, seems to be a completely 180-degree change in direction from the government you take direction from. Well, you know, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. So I've worked for Republican presidents, for Democratic presidents. I've even worked in the White House of a Republican president and the White House of a Democratic president. And our job is, as diplomats, you know, we take an oath to the Constitution of the United States, not to any one political party or to any one policy or, or philosophy. And I, I believe in, in general, the values that drive our foreign policy are pretty much the same from administration to administration. Core American values of democracy and human rights, they can be a difference in emphasis on certain policy issues at different times. And as a diplomat, I'm certainly energized and excited about the Biden administration's approach to really putting diplomacy in the forefront again, because I think we can do so much. The diplomats were the ones who prevent wars. You know, a famous general in the United States said, if you don't fund the State Department and diplomacy, I have to buy more bullets. <laughs> so... So it really it's gratifying that we have a leader who understands the importance of diplomacy and that diplomats are the ones who will be out there working with our allies and partners to solve our global challenges together. It's very gratifying. Thank you so much, Ambassador Johnson. Thank you.